It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> Who had snow this morning? Anybody have snow this morning? Yeah, okay. Some of you did. Some of you are like, what the heck? It was snowing today? I didn't even know that. <laughs> it is really good to have you all out today. And we just are really just believing that this is going to be a time where you just don't come and sit through another church service. You know, we really believe that when you show up, in this place, and when you show up expecting that God, God has something that He's going to do in your life. In fact, I believe even if you're not expecting, maybe it is just another service for you, I think God can invade that place because He's God and, and just work in a way that, that you're not even expecting Him to work. He does that all the time. So just be ready. Just be ready. I hope, I hope you've already just had God just maybe come in and just shift some perspective and Maybe as we've been worshiping, he just reminded you of who he is and just praying that God works in your life in an awesome way today. All right. <laughs> yes. High school football players, volleyball players. Um, we even have upside down band members in this city. I mean, come on. So awesome. You know, I really believe, thanks for bringing that up, Tracy. I really think it's awesome for us as a church to like, Part of being for your city is being at the stuff that matters to your city. And so I don't know if you're, maybe you're not into high school sports or, or plays or all that stuff, but I think if you can somehow squeeze it in there just to be a part of it, I just think it says a lot when we as a church are like, we're going to show up. We're going to show up. We're going to be in the stands. We're going to cheer. We're going to make some noise. All that kind of stuff. Yes. And if you feel like you can't make noise, sit beside Mike or Becky, and they will make all the noise for you. I promise. I promise. Awesome week. Um, we got a few things I just want to let you know about really quick before we jump into the, the message this morning. This Wednesday night is a campus-wide uh, worship night at the CTK Bellingham campus at 6 o'clock. It's going to be amazing. You will not want to miss it. Um, it's just going to be an hour long where we come together. It's going to be all singing and just lifting up Jesus together. And I'm telling you, when we come together, all across, we got campuses in every nook and cranny of our county. When we all come together, it's just really awesome to lift up the name of Jesus. So you are invited to that this Wednesday at 6. And then on Saturday night, do we have any Bunko fans in the room? Yeah, a couple of you? Okay. If you are a Bunko fan, this is your week. Okay? Uh, at the Red Barn at Dallas and Heather's Place, they're having a Bunko night on Saturday night at 6.30. And you're all invited to be a part of that. Uh, it doesn't matter, young, old. Probably around 10-ish, uh, maybe under that, wouldn't quite understand Bunko, from what I understand. But they can still come. There's lots of stuff to do at the barn. They've got pool tables and all kinds of fun stuff. So that's this Saturday night at 6.30. And then on, uh, not, or this coming Sunday, we're having a family meeting right after the morning service. It's a great opportunity for you to come and hear about the vision, direction, what some of our goals are as a church this year. We'll talk a little bit about finances, but it's going to be all good. And you'll have an opportunity to ask questions about anything that happens here at CTK Ferndale. Uh, and that's this coming Sunday. So bring a sack lunch, and it'll be a great time. And then the last thing is that if you are um, new or you're maybe wanting to connect on a different level in our church, and you just, maybe you've been around a little bit, and you're going, okay, I just feel at home here, and I want to be a part of what's going on. There are lots of ways to connect. But one of the easiest way, ways to start that whole process of connection I mean, chat with me or almost anybody here after the service is probably the simplest way. But then you can also grab at the very back, we have some connection cards. 
and you can fill out one of those, or if you're watching online, connect.ck.church will give you all the information that you need to know how to, how to connect in our church. Actually, one last thing. Did anybody notice that the place looks a little bit more cleaned up this morning when you came in this morning? Yeah, a little bit. You noticed that some weeds were gone. You noticed maybe some smells were gone around here. We had an awesome team show up. Probably 20-ish people show up yesterday morning for our work party. And as you saw, God's like, okay, I'm going to smile down on that work party today. I'm just going to part the clouds, let the, the rain just go away for the day. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. And we just had a lot of fun together and uh, got a lot of stuff done. So thank you so much to everybody that showed up yesterday and just had such a great heart, great attitude, and just helped us get a lot of stuff accomplished. Awesome. Okay, we, over the past several weeks, have been doing a sermon series called Cultivate. And this whole series, we've been looking at vocation or work and doing all that for the glory of God and just how God has put us on this earth to, to, to work. And not just to work, of course, we rest and we play and all that stuff too, but we've seen in the series how work is a big, big part of why we're here and God, God has a, a job for us to do. But you don't have to look very far in culture before you start to notice a trend, whether it's movies or TV shows or, or music, work is often seen as a bad thing. Growing up in the 80s, I learned from bands like Def Leppard that it was okay to do nothing. But then when my daddy didn't agree, when he'd say, tell me to get my butt right out of bed, get up and move your sleepy head, mow the lawn, walk the dog, take out the trash, tidy your room, that if I wanted to, I, I could just disappear, right? That's just how we rolled. Then there was the Bengals singing songs like, Just Another Manic Monday. I wish it was Sunday, because that's my fun day. Or Todd Rundgren's song, I don't want to work. I just want to do what? I just want to be like Matthew Schlichting and bang on the drum all day, right? <laughs> and then country music comes along, and country music, you have guys like Alan Jackson, right? Like he sings songs like, The Workday Passes, like molasses in wintertime, but it's July. And then Jake Owen comes along. He sings about how he just got paid. He's off the next two days. No more working like dogs. No more leash. No more boss. Just a weekend full of nothing to do at all. Yeehaw. Nobody knows that song. <laughs> it's safe to say that a lot of people aren't really big fans of work. Um, it's seen as a leash. It's seen as this ball and chain that we're, we're yoked to. It's seen as this necessary evil that we have to endure if we're going to put food on the table and have a roof over our heads. And one of the results of having a wrong idea about work is that we end up having a poor work ethic. Rather than being uh, our work being done with excellence and rather than it being done with joy and rather than doing it with purpose out of love for God and love for our neighbor, we do just enough to skimp by. Which, by the way, is, is not how Jesus did things. Jesus had a, an incredible work ethic. Matthew describes this. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. He was constantly doing the work of serving people, preaching, proclaiming, healing. Another place in the Bible, it says that Jesus said to the disciples, it said, he says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And did he have this idea because he, he's lazy? Is it because his work is dull? Is it because he just needs some time to check the gram, check his Facebook account? 
kill some time to make the day go a little bit faster. No. The Bible explains how he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Jesus had work ethic. He understood the value of work, and he refused to accept the work ethic of the lazy. He understood that work was required to accomplish his purpose. He knew that loving his father and loving people meant putting in hard work. And you don't have to answer this out loud this morning, but, but uh, how about you? How, what kind of work ethic do you have? What does it look like in your life? And just so that we're, we're all on the same page, when we're talking about work ethic, we're talking about how, uh, we're talking about the standard of behavior or beliefs that you have concerning what level of effort is and is not acceptable to you when it comes to work. What level of effort is acceptable to you when it comes to work? Now, post-COVID, there's always been a debate around what's an acceptable level of work uh, effort when it comes to work. But I'd say post-COVID, this, this debate around what's acceptable and what's not is even, is even larger. One of the key places this is playing out this week is um, with the, I don't know if, how many of you have been following the whole Elon Musk takeover uh, buyout of Twitter. Well, Elon Musk went and paid, put down $42 billion, bought Twitter, and um, comes along and says to everybody, so Elon Musk actually has admitted in an interview that he regularly puts in 80-hour work weeks. 80 hours. And so uh, he's got, a, obviously, very, very high level of what he considers uh, the, the right amount of effort to put in. But he comes into Twitter and says, hey, everybody, uh, starting this week, no more working from home. Everybody's got to come into the office. Well, as you can imagine, the whole entire Twitterverse just erupts, and there's all kinds of pushback and, and complaining about just the difference there. There's different ideas. But work ethic, what, what's an acceptable level of effort? When is it too much? You're just, you're overworking. And when is it not enough? When are you just not putting in a godly, Christ-like level of, of effort when it comes to work? The word ethic is very connected to the word standard. It's, 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 it's referring to standards, especially moral standards. And as you know, when it comes to understanding standards— um, our guiding light for standards on anything in life is what? It's, it's Scripture. It's the Word of God. We don't get our standards from Elon Musk. We don't get our standards from uh, our union rep or even our boss. Uh, we get our standards of what Christ-like, godly work ethic looks like. We get it from, from God. And so what I want to do today is hang out for a little bit in the book of Proverbs where there's just this wealth of wisdom especially regarding work and, and work ethic. And I want to unpack some of the key principles in Proverbs regarding work ethic. And so we're going to start actually in Proverbs chapter 20. I got six things this morning around work ethic. First thing is this. Um, first principle that we, that we see when it comes to work ethic is that success in life only happens as a result of hard work. Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food, at the harvest. If you want to have food at the harvest, you can't be lazy. You've got to be out there in the fields. You've got to be plowing up that ground. You've got to be planting seeds. You've got to be cultivating the soil, pulling weeds, all that stuff if you want to have food in season. Now, I don't know exactly what, what 
success looks like for you, um, what dreams you have, what goals you have, the things that God's put on your heart. Maybe some of you students in here, you're going, okay, my idea of success is to graduate with good enough grades, to go off and get a, uh, go to college, have a career one day that enables me to buy a car, a house, it's fulfilling, all that kind of stuff. Maybe you're a teacher and you, your idea of success is you just want to leave a big impact on your students. Maybe you're a parent in the room and your idea of success is when your kids grow up and leave the house, you go, okay, I want them to have solid character. I want them to know who Jesus is. I want them to hear the gospel. That's, that's my idea of success. Well, all this is going to require hard work. It's going to require work. If you want that goal or dream, you're going to have to work for it. The opposite is to fall for the belief that that says you won't have to work hard for it. Or even worse is the belief that you don't need to put in much work or effort at all because it's just going to be handed to you somehow. Like life just kind of owes you something here. If you want to succeed, though, you're going to have to put in some hard, hard work. And I wonder maybe the reason that you're not accomplishing those plans— Maybe those goals, maybe the reason that you just, you keep stumbling along the way as you're, as you're heading towards whatever that goal is, maybe it, it has to do with the amount of work that you're willing to put in. There's another place in Proverbs where it says this. It says, the path of lazy people is overgrown with briars where the diligent walk down a smooth road. And if you find that good things, the things that you're after, are constantly not happening through your, your work, if it constantly seems like the path is difficult, like it's got briars and thorn bushes, maybe it might have something to do with work ethic. It might be that you need to make some changes in the, the, the effort that you put in at work. Because success in life, accomplishing that dream, accomplishing that goal, is going to take work. It's going to take work. Wow, it's quiet here today. It was really loud in worship, but it got really quiet. I'm going to keep pushing through. Uh, second thing we see is this. Godly work ethic means pushing through difficult challenges to get the job done rather than make excuses. Um, Proverbs 22, 18. The lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. This is the kind of like the kid who has some difficult homework and rather than just get focused, makes an excuse like the dog ate it or something. I can't do that challenging work because of, because of that. Or the worker who doesn't want to discipline themselves to get up early, constantly shows up to late, late to work and blames it on their stupid alarm clock that's never working. I've done that before, by the way. Or the office worker who isn't productive and blames that lack of productivity on the poor quality of the espresso that's being made and it's just made a little bit too tepid for them. So often, we settle for the path of least, exist, uh, least resistance. In school, if I can just pass, that's the path of least resistance. That's going, I'm not—there's a challenge, and rather than push through, you shrink back. I think that um, one of the many after effects um, of the last few years is that society has collectively caught this kind of learned helplessness. I can't do what I need to do because the world has changed. There's a lion out there. I can't, I can't do this or that. We use that as an excuse to, to, not to not to start new things. We use it as an excuse to not finish things, to not face things that maybe God is leading us into. It has us playing it safe in life. And on the job, when we're called by God to be people of action, people of courage, people of faith, people who step out of the boat and onto the water, we just, we just shrink back. 
And yes, the world has changed, but at what point does that just become an excuse for us not putting in the work, whatever that is that God has called us to do? Now, I fully understand that there, there's situations in life where you challenges that you just can't press through. You know, maybe it's a, a, a physical disability. Maybe it's a very toxic work environment that you have. But those are anomalies in life. Um, for most of us, we're called to, to put in the best work we can rather than let challenges become excuses. We, we see those, we acknowledge that they're there, and then we push through them with God's wisdom, with God's strength to get the job done. Third thing is this. Hard work will require a high degree of self-control. Proverbs 25, 28, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. The opposite would be to say a person with self-control is like a city with built up walls. Why are the walls built up instead of broken down? Because the person with self-control is busy working hard to restore, to rebuild, to maintain, to mend the cracks in the wall, to chop down the trees in the front that are really ugly, to pull out all the weeds, to put lights up in Kids Rock Room, to do all the stuff that you do because you're like, we got work to do. Self-control is a critical piece of hard work. It takes self-control to stay on task. It takes self-control to follow through with a vision when, when life is just trying to pull that vision down. It takes self-control to stay engaged when your body is telling you to just stay in bed. It takes self-control to stay focused on the important work when it's very easy to get focused on the less important, urgent, busy work. It all takes self-control. One of my favorite podcasts, uh, actually more YouTube guys, guys to listen to, is a guy named Patrick Bet David. And he's this guy that is a, a pretty, he has this insurance company, pretty successful guy. He built it from nothing. Um, this guy was born in Iran. He uh, was raised during the whole Iranian revolution, ended up fleeing the country with his family, was a refugee for several years, and uh, ended up, they, they all moved, immigrated to America with basically nothing but the shirts on their back. Well, this guy is one of these guys that's like, I'm not going to let that slow me down. He's got this work ethic, work ethic. Well, one of his videos um, several years ago was simply called How to Improve Your Work Ethic. And he had a, a list of 20 different things you could do and a lot of the, just a lot of great advice. Some of the things he mentioned were prepare the night before. Great idea. He says proper preparation prevents poor performance. Another thing, subscribe to the now mentality instead of we'll do it tomorrow, we'll do it the next day. He's like, no, we'll do it today. Don't procrastinate. Um, cut distractions, he says. If you've got office politics, whatever, just, just ignore that and go grow your business. Eat right, he says, because work ethic requires energy. And as I was listening to his podcast um, when this came out, I realized that all the things he was recommending were great, and they all required one thing. You can look at all this stuff and go, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm going to do that. But it requires one thing. It requires self-control. Hard work means having the self-control to stay focused on doing that which matters most. Self-control. And the good news for us as followers of Jesus who believe in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Discipline. It grows in our lives as we abide in Jesus. It's not something we have to go out and just like work really hard to have more self-control. No, as you abide in Jesus and you stay connected to Him, it's 
It's a fruit, just like love, joy, peace, patience. It's a fruit that will grow in our lives. You ready for some more? Yeah. All right, number four. Godly work ethic leads to your family's love and respect. Ungodly work ethic leads to their hate and resentment. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. In other words, you might work 80 hours a week and earn enough money to eat really good and build rockets up into the space, but if your family despises you, you have actually walked away from what a godly, Christ-like work ethic is all about. Hard work is honorable and good. However, don't work so much that every couple weeks or so, you've got to reintroduce yourself to your spouse or to your kids. Hard work ethic is good, but it, it will, and it will lead to your family's love and respect. When you start to see your family or your spouse resenting the amount of work that you put in, that's a little yellow warning light on the dashboard of your soul saying your work ethic has switched. The amount of effort that you think you need to put in has actually gotten to be in an, an, an ungodly place. And it's God's way of saying, dial that back a little bit. Number five, two more to go. The path to a strong work ethic begins with confession. It begins with confession. And here's why. This is important to understand this morning. Because at the end of the day, bad work ethic isn't just a bad habit. It's actually sin. It's not God's way. Proverbs 18 says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. It's sin. And to know how God wants you to live and to go, eh, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to do it this way. That is the, the definition of sin. To go, to refuse to go God's way instead just go your way. God's word comes along and like we've seen the last several weeks, he says, my desire for you when it comes to work is that, you know, you don't approach it as a bad thing, but you approach it as a good thing. I desire that you go about it with purpose. I desire that when you work, you do it for my glory and honor. I desire that when you work, you do it out of love for your, 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 your neighbor, those who are served through your work. And we come along and say, no, I'm going to look at work the way my culture looks at work. I'm just going to try to squeak by with the bare minimum. I'm going to slack off on the job. I'm, I'm going to just show no self-control. This is you effectively saying, forget the way of God. I'm going to do it my way. And God is calling you and I to, a, to be holy and righteous in how we conduct ourselves at work. He's calling us to that. He's calling us to live holy and righteous in the way we do our work. And maybe this morning you're going, yeah, I, I feel some conviction about the, the amount of effort that I've put in at, at work. Maybe you're going, I'm putting in way too much. Yeah, my family, my spouse, they're, my friends, they're, they're resenting me. Or maybe you're going, yeah, I'm not putting in near enough. I'm constantly having people say, uh, uh, maybe it's your, your, your circle of friends, they're, they're trying to push you on. And you're going, no, I, I need to put in more. Listen, it, it doesn't start with try harder. The, 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 our, our faith following Jesus, when he speaks to us and convicts us, it, does, it never starts with try harder. That's actually religion. We're not about religion here. We're about Jesus. We're about abiding and connecting with Jesus. And when, when the Spirit comes along and convicts, it doesn't start with try harder. It starts with confession. God, 
I have been slacking off. God, I have been working too hard. God, I confess that to you. I repent of that. God, I'm going to change my way, and I'm going to now go your way. And he comes in, and he helps. He helps. And the last thing I want to say this morning out of Proverbs is this. The hard worker is deserving of honor. Deserving of honor. Proverbs 31, um, a chapter in the Bible that's some love and some hate. Um, but it, it's this verse that, uh, or this chapter, that describes this, this she's known as the Proverbs woman. And uh, it, it describes this lady, and there's a lot of things that it says about this lady that have to do with her work ethic. And um, some of the things that it says, it says she, she gets up early. She works with willing hands. She provides food for her household. She's a businesswoman with a keen eye for a deal. She regularly turns a profit. She doesn't hoard what she makes. Instead, she opens her hands to the poor. She looks after her household and doesn't eat the bread of idleness. And I've heard different people say, well, the standard of Proverbs 31 is like just so unrealistic. But I think there's some things that we can learn from this about, about what good work ethic looks like. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She's a hard worker. She has work ethic. And in this chapter, it ends with this verse. It says, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. She's a hard worker. She's a hard worker. That deserves some honor, is what the Bible is saying here. And, and I don't think there's any more beautiful picture of this than in Matthew chapter 3, where God is, is honoring Jesus. And I think we've read into the baptism of Jesus, um, maybe not wrong, but I think we're missing some of the picture of what, what happens at the baptism of Jesus. God is honoring Jesus in a way that I don't think we, we often see in the church. And part of the reason that we don't see it is because we have this wrong thinking when it comes to the value and the purpose and the Christ-likeness of the work that we do. And so, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, um, when he shows up on the scene, people aren't thinking about Jesus the miracle worker, Jesus the teacher, Jesus the prophet, Jesus the, the teacher. No, when Jesus shows up on the scene at around age 30, they see Jesus, and you know what they think about? Jesus the carpenter. Jesus the tradesman. In fact, Jesus the carpenter was so ingrained in the thinking of people when he first showed up on the scene 2,000 years ago that when people saw Jesus the teacher, they were astounded that Jesus the carpenter was now Jesus the teacher. And, and they said, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? They had this picture of Jesus. He was the construction worker, part of the working middle class of his day. He lived most of his life in this small town of Nazareth, building everything from carts to tables to chairs to, to, to roof structures for homes, maybe oil mills, furniture, barges, boats. He probably would have built wooden doors. Who knows? Maybe even helped build towers, storage facilities. It's Jesus, the construction worker. Jesus, the carpenter. His hands would have been calloused hands, probably a little beat up from all his work with saws and hammers and chisels. 
Well, by the time Jesus began doing his public ministry of preaching and teaching, he would have actually been a carpenter for about 15 to 20 years of his life. Just before Jesus has gone, he, he, just before he goes public with his teaching and preaching and miracles, what happens? He gets baptized. So he goes from, he's been Jesus the carpenter, he gets baptized, and then he goes off and does all these, the, the miracles, and it's all the stuff that we read about in the Gospels, right? And, and then there's this, there's this famous scene, though, at his baptism. Jesus, is, he's in the Jordan River. His cousin John is right beside him. John baptizes Jesus, and as Jesus is coming up out of the water, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down, descends like a dove, and, and then the Heavenly Father says those powerful words of affirmation, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's a beautiful moment, right? The Father coming along and just sharing with, with Jesus, and everybody can listen, just how pleased he is with his son. Now, if you've been around the church for any length of time, um, you've likely heard this whole passage. There's a number of different ways that, that different preachers will preach this passage. But one of the ways that preachers will preach this, this passage is, is to illustrate how much God is pleased with us, how proud he is of us as, as, as our Heavenly Father. And a comment that preachers will often make is look at how proud he is of Jesus. Here's Jesus before he's done anything, before he's accomplished anything, before he's done any teaching, any miracles, before he's done anything of worth, anything of value, his Heavenly Father is coming along and saying, hey, I'm pleased with you. I love you. You're my son. And when it's preached like that, we all get warm and fuzzy. We're like, our Heavenly Father doesn't love us because of what we do. Our Heavenly Father loves us because of who we are. We're his, we're his son. We're his daughter. It's all good. Everybody's feeling the love, all except one group of people. And if you've been tracking along, you know who that group of people is. All the men and women in the room who are what? Carpenters. They're carpenters. Those in the construction industry. Because we've just said, Jesus hasn't accomplished anything. Yeah, his father still loves him. But in fact, he has accomplished a lot of stuff at that moment. He's built a lot of houses, a lot of chairs, a lot of tables. And to say that Jesus hasn't accomplished anything up to that moment is actually an insult to everybody that's in the construction industry. And not only anybody that's in the construction industry, but anybody whose work involves anything that's not teaching, miracles, preaching, healing, all that stuff. Now, I fully get and love the truth of the message that God loves us because of who we are. We have value and worth. That's good. But can I give you just a little bit of a, a slightly different take on what God the Father maybe is also saying in that moment when he comes along and says, this is my son whom I love. I'm pleased with him. You know, take that you might make when you understand that work is God's idea, when you understand that work is good, when you understand that all forms of work, not just church work, but all forms of work have value and purpose, maybe what God the Father was also saying in that moment was this, I'm pleased with my son. My son has been faithfully building doors, tables, windows, carts, and boats for years. He's worked his trade with care and attention to detail. Even when nobody's watching, he hasn't complained. He's been fair and honest with his customers. He hasn't cut corners. He's shown up early, stayed late. He's been generous with those who have less. He's been kind even to those who have treated him poorly. He hasn't banged his finger with a hammer and cussed out the hammer. 
He did the work as one called by God. I am pleased with my son, not just because of who he is. I'm pleased with my son because he's built some pretty awesome stuff. It's a bit of a different way of looking at things, isn't it? As we wrap up this series, I believe that God wants you to know that when you work with a godly work ethic, when you do your work as ultimately unto Jesus, when you do your work as a way of expressing your love in a very tangible way to your neighbor, that God is pleased with the work that you do. He's pleased. He's pleased with the work that you do. And as I'm just looking around this room right now, there are so many different vocations that are represented here in this room. Not just in this room, that in, in our church family. So many different vocations. We have lots of teachers. I'm just looking around the room. Denise. Um, we've got Karen and Joyce and, and Susie. And I'm probably going to... I'm probably going to miss them, but you teachers, you need to know, Jessica, Tony, Melissa, if you're watching online, God is pleased. He is pleased with the work that you do. I see Frank in the back there. You know, every Friday night when football season's on, we get to see Frank working his butt off. It doesn't matter if it's like gale force winds outside, leaves blown across the field. There's Frank on the sideline working faithfully, fixing guys' helmets, making sure their pads are all just right. God's pleased with that. God's pleased with that. And I don't know if you know this, but Frank, he's got a, he's got a nine-to-five job. He is, he is faithfully helping construct bathtubs. God is honored with that, Frank. He's pleased with that. He's honored with that. You know, Campbell, all the years that you put in delivering mail, God's pleased. He's pleased. He's pleased with the work that you do. Serving coffee at Cruising Coffee, making sure that we've got some great coffee when we go to work in the morning. God is pleased with the work that you do. Matt, as you're crunching numbers and accounting at the bank, he's pleased with that. He's honored with that. I could go on and on. But you need to know this morning that your work matters. It absolutely matters. Don't ever buy into the lie of culture, the lie of the, it's really the lie of the enemy that says your work doesn't matter. When you do it as unto God, when you do it out of love, it, it totally matters. And God wants you to know that you deserve honor because he is pleased. He is pleased with you. I want to wrap up this series this morning by reading this verse very well-known verse in the Bible, which just really sums up this series and this, this particular sermon so well. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work, there's that word again, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Heavenly Father, I just want to I just want to thank you so much for the way that you are pleased. You're honored, God, when we work like this. God, when we work with all of our heart, when we work as unto you, Jesus. Father, would you help us do that? God, would you help us to have 
a Christ-like work ethic. Guys, as I went through this list this morning out of Proverbs, God, I think there's stuff in there that all of us could go, yeah, I've been there at times and there at other times, and some, sometimes I'm just putting in all that, the, the, the work, working with all my heart, but then other days it's just so hard. It's dark outside, it's cold, it's winter, and, and I go to work, and I got a, a boss that just berates me, coworkers that just are not thankful. It's just hard. But God, I pray that in those moments, Jesus, you would remind us, God, who we are ultimately working for. God, it's ultimately for you. And God, I pray that that would give us the strength, would give us the perseverance. God, would give us a sense of purpose, God, as we do that work, God, that you've created us and called us into. And Father, I I just want to pray, God, that, that this week, God, as we head out into God, whatever vocations it is, maybe it's a paid job, maybe, maybe it's, God, as students going to school and studying hard, God, maybe it's as a parent, God, just help, just raising those kids to, to, to love you and follow you and be men and women of character. God, whatever that work is that, that God, we, we do this week, God, I just want to pray that Jesus, as we do, as we go about our work, that God, there would just be a, a joy in our step as we, we, as we do that work, knowing that our Heavenly Father is pleased with us. He's pleased with us. He's pleased with us. On those days we're working with all our heart, and on those days where we're just trying, but we know we're, we're failing, God, you, you look at us as your son and sons and daughters, and you're pleased with us. God, help us, God, to work as unto you. Help us, I pray. And then, God, as we do that, Lord, I pray that that God, our neighbors, God, I pray that the, the people that we serve, God, through our work, God, that our coworkers, God, I pray that, that in us, God, they would see something different. And God, may the way that we work, God, ultimately not just be for you, but God, may it bring glory to you. May it bring glory to you, Jesus. Pray all this, Jesus, in your name. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, I hope you've been challenged as we've been going through this series. I don't know about you, but it's been uh, very convicting. And uh, I just pray that, that we as a church would, would go into our, our week every week um, working as unto God, out of love for Him and love for our neighbors. Hey, um, on your way out today, the first Sunday of every month, we're calling it Connect Sunday. And so what that means is that there are some lovely treats in the foyer. Um, there are some homemade cookies. Um, I believe the coffee is still on. And if you want to stick around and grab a cookie and, and hang out, maybe get to know some people, we'd love to have you do that. If you got to fly, it is totally okay to go and grab a handful of cookies and take them in the car. Totally cool to do that as well. But um, go with God. Be blessed. Have a fantastic week this week. God bless.